Psalm, Psalm, four, Psalm 42 says, As a deer pants for water, as the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You know, I feel quite passionate about the Lord pretty much all the time. And I hope you are too. Um, I long for him above everything else in my life. And it's like what Alan was saying. Life can be so busy and there's so, many, there's so much stuff to do in life. But as important as it seems at the time, it's never as important as coming into the presence of God. That's the truth. It may seem like it needs to be done now a lot of the time. But the truth of the matter is, there's something so much greater here. And I've been reading a little bit of about, a, about a man who was very passionate about the Lord. He had, a, he had a heart after God's heart. He was a man after God's own heart, the scripture says. And you know what I'm talking about. You're talking about David. And David... David was a passionate man. He was passionate. He was passionate. And, you know, as I read his life, I think, come, this man was going for God. He was going for God. More than anything, he wanted to worship the Lord and to be in his presence. And I can tell you from my own experience that if we have a heart like that, everything changes. Everything changes. I want to talk a little bit about passion this morning. And I want to talk a bit about worship. I want to talk about what's, what begins to be conceived in us when we come before the Lord in worship and praise. Because God wants to deposit stuff within us. But he needs to get us somewhere in our lives. And the Christian journey, as much as it's complete and it's fulfilled, there's still a journey. We can't escape the journey. Jesus has accomplished everything on the cross, but there's still... A life to be lived out on earth. And as I start to look at David, we're going to go from 2 Samuel 6. And David's an interesting character. He made lots of mistakes. He'd done lots of things wrong. He wasn't a perfect man. God's not looking for absolutely perfect people. He's looking for people that hunger for him and that thirst for him and that are willing to go for him. So I just want to read from 2 Samuel because there's a few, um, there's a bit here that I just want to just lay, lay the kind of foundations a little bit for what I'm going to focus on because I believe there's a bit of a focus to what I'm going to speak about this morning and uh, it's about passion and I want you to be passionate about the right things. When I was younger I was passionate for the wrong things. I was passionate about all sorts of things. I wasn't passionate about God. And the things that I was passionate about were quite destructive for my life. I was so passionate for them. I give myself to them. I give myself over to them. I lived out my life for them. And it was an unfruitful life. It was a disappointed life. It was, it was fun for a moment. And it was a good buzz at the time. But it's nothing like what I've got now. It's nothing like what I've got now. All the pleasures... Of the world have a short expiry date. 
They're pleasing for a moment, and in the end, they're dead. They're dead. There's no greater purpose, there's no greater fulfillment, there's no greater vision, there's no greater meaning in them things. But in the presence of God, there's all them things. In the presence of God, you find great fulfillment and purpose and direction. Like, you know, I, the, some of the things when I, used to look, I look back on my life, I think, did I really do that? Like, I used to risk my life on a regular basis on jumping across live train lines, you know, just to get, get my name on the side of a tube train, you know. And I look back and think, I could have just died so many occasions. And in fact, I nearly did. There was one time um, I was actually doing some graffiti on the Brentwood-Shenfield to Brentwood line. And there was a train coming from around the corner and everyone just scattered. And there was nowhere to run. And I remember running and I fell, I tripped. And because the train was coming around the corner, I couldn't work out what track it was coming on. But it was actually coming on the one that was furthest away from me. So I was actually running towards the train. And I remember falling, stacking, hitting the floor, and it's almost like I bounced off the floor and jumped onto these electric cables on the side of the tracks. And I was hanging off these tracks. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but this is the sort of thing that I believe God rescued me from because he had something in mind for me, what I'm coming into now. I could have died that night. And I relayed this story back to my mum. And she said to me, there was this time where she woke up in the middle of the night and she had this vision of, and she just said, she just cried out and said, get up like this. And I believe that was a cry of a heart, of a heart, of a mother's heart for her son to God that actually released me from that floor and propelled me on the side of the cables and the side of the tracks. But see, that's how close it was. But God had his finger on me. And God had his hand on me. And you don't, might not understand the things you're going through right now. It might not make sense to you. But God has his hand upon your life. God has his hand upon you. And when God has got a purpose in his mind and he's got a purpose in his heart for you, nothing can get in its way or stand in its way. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. But David had something in his heart, and I'm going to come back to the text now. It's 2 Samuel 6. And David's heart was for the ark to come back to Jerusalem, into the city of David, into the tabernacle. David was passionate about the ark. And when we think about the ark, we think of lots of different things, and there's so much you can talk about the ark, but I'm going to quickly summarise what I believe it typifies in a quick nutshell. It's the presence of God. It's the glory of God amongst the people of God. It's God's presence amongst his people. And David was hungry for God more than anything else. And I think that's the reason why he's a man after his own heart, because he was hungry for God. He was passionate about God. He was passionate about worshipping God. He was passionate about being in his presence. And you see this in David, and he takes a bit of a journey from chapter 6, when you go all the way down to get to Jerusalem, the city of David. And he made a few mistakes on the way, because he put it on a cart. He should never put it on a cart. The oxen stumbled, and someone died as a result of it. It should have been carried by the Levites. The ark should have been carried. The glory of God is supposed to be carried by his people. But as we go down, um, as we go down the page, I'm not going to read through all of it. I'm just going to give you a quick overview of it. David's course was set to come into Jerusalem. And he continued. And he came to a place... 
and the ark stayed in the house of Obadiah, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obadiah. This is in chapter 6, verse 10. And it stayed with this man for three months. This was while he was journeying um, to Jerusalem. And he said that the Lord blessed Obadiah and all his household. And it says in verse 12, now it, was the, now it was the king told David, saying that the Lord has blessed the house of Obadiah and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God into the house of Obadiah to the city of David with gladness. So here you see the ark stays in this house of this man for a period of three months. And in them three months, this man is hugely blessed all in his whole household because of the presence of God. And I just want you to, just to make a little note, if you can, that where the presence of God is, there's a blessing. Where God is, there's a blessing. The ark resided with him and the whole of his household was completely blessed as a result of that. David was glad as a result of that and he carried on his journey into the city of David. Praise the Lord. And it said he came and as he was going his way, he was praising the Lord and he was worshipping the Lord and he was offering sacrifices of oxen. When we see in verse 13, let's read it down, it says, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord, bearing the ark of the Lord, had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and, and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. So as he was going, he was offering sacrifices. As he was going, he was offering sacrifices. And there's a, there's a principle here that as you go where you want to go, where you want to get to with what God has put in your heart, there's a sacrifice along the way. And Alan touched on this a little bit this morning, that, that to come and to rest in his presence, there's a sacrifice to, to, to give along the way. There's a sacrifice. You cannot hold things in your heart before the Lord. You must give them over to the Lord. Learn to give up on them things that come and try to con contaminate you or to, to be like spiritual congestion almost within your heart. Learn to bring a sacrifice as you travel, as you go your way. And it says that David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David wearing a linen ethod. So David and all the household of Israel brought up the ark with shouting and a sound of a trumpet. So here's David celebrating. Here's David worshipping. He hasn't got all his kingly trappings in mind. The things that might cause him to be... Um, self-conscious or to be overly um, aware of other people or to be worrying about what you might look like or all the insecurities that might come in with life. And sometimes, if I'm honest with you, we can come into the house of the Lord and we can be a little bit like that. We can have all these things in mind, me included. I'm not, I'm not getting at anyone here. But we can have that kind of stuff traveling through our minds and our spirits. And sometimes it can be hard. It can be hard. Because we come in from the world, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But sometimes it tries to stick to us. We need to present them things as a sacrifice. 
We need to give them things over and carry on with the passion and worship and praise. And suddenly you'll find that you'll be more conscious of him than anything else in your life. Suddenly you realise that it's not about what so-and-so's doing over there or they're doing that bit funny or what are they doing over there? Look at him. He's got his hands in the air. We become more aware sometimes of other things than we do him. So easily done. We all do it. We all do it. It's easily done. But there's a lesson here. That David was a man of passion. He was a man of worship. It says he danced with all his might. It might have looked a bit unsightly. It might look a bit, a bit odd. It might look a bit wacky. It might look a bit all over the place. But he was pleasing to God. And what's pleasing to God is often not pleasing to man. It's not pleasing to the eyes of men. It doesn't always look good to people. But what really matters is him. It's him. If you have a heart and passion for him, everything changes. Everything changes. It doesn't matter about people anymore. It matters about him. And this is David's heart. This is David's heart, what we see here in a nutshell. This here in, in, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, you see why the scripture says about he's a man after his own heart. Because he w- went through great efforts to get this ark back to where it should be in, in the, ha- the city of David and the house of Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. He was a passionate man and he worshipped the Lord with passion. There was no status here. There was no title to be hung on to. In the presence of the Lord, we don't have a title. We don't have a status. We, don't, we cannot hold on to them things when we're before the king. This is his heart. This is his heart. This is the heart of the king. The king of Israel. Hallelujah. But so often we find the the critic at the door. And this is what happened here with Saul's daughter. She criticised him. And we'll carry on reading down. And it's 16 we're at. It says, Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw the king leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. She despised him. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle and David erected it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And then David had finished off the offerings, the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. He blessed his people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed it among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the men and for the women, To everyone, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. And if you read, if you continue to read, it says about that that David responds to Michael and her criticism. And David says this interesting thing. If you can, can continue down for a little bit to verse 22. It says, and David said this to her. He said, I will be more undignified than this. 
I will be more undignified than this. And you find out, if you read, uh, verse 23 says, Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. She was barren. She didn't, she didn't conceive. And there's one thing I think we can learn from this is, as we worship the Lord and as we're in his presence, there's a fruitfulness that takes place within us. She was from a distance and she was criticising. But David was up close in worship. And as we're close to the Lord, the Lord, through that intimacy, things are conceived in our hearts. Things are conceived. Through intimacy, there's a conception. And then through conception, there's a birthing. There's a birthing. And if one thing like... I could speak to you about today is be intimate with God and your life will be fruitful. Your life will be fruitful. Be intimate with God and your life will never look the same. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. The Lord desires for us to have an intimacy with him and in that intimacy Dreams, visions, a birth within us. The birth within us, in our hearts. You know, as, as a new Christian, I remember as a new Christian, the Lord had put something in me, and I'm seeing part of the fulfillment now of it. It become, it, in some ways it become a burden, but it wasn't a, a, a worldly burden. It wasn't like a heavy burden of that type of burden. But it was a, it was a strong passion, expectancy, a desire in my heart that was given by him to see something wonderful, wonderful happen in the future at some point. And I can liken it in this way. It's almost like I felt spiritually pregnant. My wife's been pregnant. I've not been pregnant. But I've been pregnant with the things of God. There's a life in the womb for those who are intimate, those who are close, those who worship, those who praise him, those who draw to him. There's life in your womb of those who come close. And I remember having this, this overwhelming desire in my heart to do what I believe God's called me to do. And it was like a burning. It was like an overwhelming sense that if I do not do this, then I'm going to explode kind of thing. And it was there for a while. Um, and I think I liken it to natural pregnancy in this way, that sometimes Donna was uncomfortable. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable for the woman for quite some time. Because so great is your passion and expectancy inside of you. Sometimes there's a little bit of, it gets a bit uncomfortable. You're waiting for the birthing. And sometimes when God puts something in your heart, there's a period of time for it to be delivered. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? There's life in intimacy. I believe God has put something in your heart 
but there's a period of time. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable. Sometimes the pregnancy period can be an uncomfortable waiting. It could be as if things are, don't seem quite right, but you've got something inside you that you know that it's true and it's going to happen. And it just takes that period of time. It takes that time. It takes that time for it to be birthed. As a spiritual birthing, I believe, it's only given and conceived by him. It is unnatural to your natural man or your natural desires or the way you'd normally think or it would work. I don't remember one thing. I remember saying to Donna some time ago, I don't know what it is, but I just feel that the Lord wants me to open my mouth. <laughs> I didn't even say anything to you, didn't I? I was like, Lord, if this is of you, then create the opportunity for me. It's a good prayer. Just pray something like that. Have some boldness in your prayer life. Don't hold back. You, you, listen, this is one life. One time on earth. You've got the rest of eternity. Go for it. Don't just let it pass you by. Go for it. I said to Andrew, I've got another 40 years left. And he said, no, is that it? I'll give myself another 60 at least. That's not enough time for me. Use what God's given you and what he's put inside you. Don't let it go from day to day. Amen? Amen. So I was like, Lord, bring it, bring it to pass. Let it happen. And then I come in here and he just pulls me straight to the front. And, he... <laughs> <laughs> and I put me gob, didn't I? And I look back, no. But God will get you there. God will get you there. Who's, who was it that said, here am I, Lord, use me? Who was it? I can't remember. He said, here am I, Lord, use me. I'm willing. It's in my heart already. The purpose of God being born inside of you. I believe it. The only thing that holds you back is fear and other people being conscious of others. And that's one thing David wasn't. He can't give a monkeys about other people around him, his kingly status, all the stuff around him. He said he danced with all his might before the Lord. He wasn't self-conscious. And this fear and this, this insecurity that comes through people, it will just trap you. It says a fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. It doesn't matter what people think about you. It only matters what God says to you and what it says in here. Come on, I want to preach this thing towards you. It's true. If you're worried about people for the rest of your life, you won't do nothing for the kingdom. But if you're worried about him and his purposes, then you're going to go somewhere with God. Because this was what David had. He had a passion to bring this up back. And there was a journey, there was a sacrifice, there was the desire in his heart. To do what he had to do. He didn't care about the rest. And I want you to not care about the rest. But go with God. Go alone with God if you, if you have to. Because David had to step out when he fought Goliath. The rest were fearful behind. They were going, you're going to go really? You're going to go? 
He had to go alone. He had to step out. And the armies were behind him. And a little shepherd's boy walked out. He walked out. He said, I'm going to go. You have to go alone sometimes because all the rest won't come. It's true. If you're waiting for everybody else, sometimes you won't never go. Some people only go because everyone else is going. If everyone else comes, then I'll do it. No, no, no. Just do what God wants you to do. And do it with all your heart and worship him. It's great expectation when God puts something inside of your heart. It's great expectation. But there's often anguish at the same time. There's often an anguish. Paul had a similar thing. He had a similar thing to what I'm talking about. And it's in Galatians 4.19. Let's just read that just for a second. I'm sweating up here, man. Four nineteen, Paul says this My little children, for whom I labour in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I'm just gonna pause there just to give you a little bit of background, because we've been studying Galatians, and Galatians is to a region, it's to a group, a collection of churches, a group of churches. And he was had some serious concerns about where, the way they were going. There was great danger for them slipping into the old laws of the circumcision, etc. You know, it says people come in, the Jews come in by stealth and try to introduce them back into the laws. Um, so they had a bit of a mix and match. And, and Paul had this real concern that they were going to come away from it. But he had a real heart for these people. And he likens it here to labour and giving birth. Because the objective, the main goal in his heart, I believe, he had for these people, the purpose he had for these people, is this, that Christ would be formed in them. I believe that's what he was burdened with, in some ways. Because of his passion, because of his heart, and because of his love, he likened it to labour, what was a bit uncomfortable. He could see where they was going astray, but he brought this correction into their, into their, into their lives through through the epistle here. If you read it, it's, I find it's fascinating. But his heart was this, that Christ would be formed in them. And I think that's a fantastic thing to think that that was in his heart, that Jesus would be formed in them. I, this is my prayer, that Christ would be formed in you. Jesus would be formed in you. Not the will of men, not the will of others, not the th- thoughts of other people, not what we think church should even look like. But Jesus would be formed in you. Yeah. And that's my heart. Yeah. You know. And oh, may God position you to receive him. And I believe as you worship and as you're intimate. God will deposit things in you. And you may even know right now in your heart that God has given you something to do, a work to do. Something in your heart. You may know. 
You may know, and it feels like a volcano that hasn't been erupted in some ways, and there's a period of waiting. There might be a period of time that might need to take place in your life before you start to get a sense that God is starting to birth. He's starting to birth what he's destined inside your heart. And this is what Paul had. He had something that needed to be birthed. And it was his passion, it was his desire for these believers, for these people. There's a period of waiting sometimes. It might be uncomfortable, but it's there. And if it's not there, get intimate with the Lord. And I believe as you get intimate with the Lord, something will start to change inside your heart. Something could be moved inside of you. Something, you know, what you're passionate about is often, I liken it to the call of God. If you start to get passionate about something, you often find that the call is at the door. The call of God is sometimes found in the passion that you have. What are you passionate about? What has God put inside of you that you are passionate about? I can't explain the way I am sometimes. I can't explain it. Only that God has put something in me that I need to do and get on with. And you don't need to work it out. You don't need to figure it all out. You need to just go with it. Just go with it. And just say, Lord, if this is you, if this is you speaking into my life and into my situation, and this is your desire and your passion and your drive, and you've given me this, just bring it to pass, Lord. Let it be delivered in my life. Let it, let it be birthed. Hallelujah. Let it be birthed. So it go, goes from something being conceived to something being manifested. We need the manifestation of the purposes of God that God puts in you by his spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Is it in your heart? That's the question. Is it in your heart? Hallelujah. I feel blessed this morning. I, I, I feel like I could go on a bit longer because I, I, I'm, I'm hungry, but I'm also satisfied. Sounds a bit of a contradiction, but I'm hungry for something. I have a vision for something. Have you got a vision for something? Because if you're just going to be content with just coming to church every so often and keep coming backwards and forwards and nothing really changes... I want you to serve the Lord with all your heart. I want you to find what he's got for you and to serve him with all your heart. Don't worry about other people. Sometimes advice is good, but too much advice will actually shipwreck you. Get intimate with the Lord and get on with what he's given you to do and worship him and praise him. Hallelujah. I've done. Thank you. Jesus name.